Welcome to the Strategic Boardroom, insights from thought leaders, where we speak to experts in organizational leadership, human capital management, and business strategy. We hope you enjoy this episode brought to you by Bullseye Engagement, a leading provider of cloud-based employee development and strategic business software solutions. This is episode two of our conversation with Jennifer Bonilla. If you haven't listened to episode one of our conversation with Jennifer, we recommend you go back and do so before listening to this one. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. According to recent Gallup polls, organizations with highly engaged employees are achieving things like fewer quality incidents, higher profitability, higher sales, and the list goes on. So what exactly can organizational leaders do to achieve similar outcomes, but how do they continue to fund these initiatives during a time of intense cost-cutting? Sure. Well, you should assume when cost-cutting starting to occur or you're struggling with your revenue targets that some of the projects you're working on could be on the chopping block. So again, I'd, I'd make sure that you have the data on the projects you're working on so that if they come into question, or even more important, be proactive and take them to your manager or take them to your CFO and say, you know, I know that we're under some tough budget constraints, but I wanted you to know how successful this program has been and why we need to continue to fund it. So being proactive with sharing that data and reporting on how you're performing is incredibly important. And I I think the other piece is, we talked a little bit about this, but don't be afraid to course correct as you go. Again, in the old days, we used to train and develop people differently than we do today. So don't just keep going back to your typical playbook in terms of how you get things done. For example, again, you know, one of the things I I really appreciated in Bullseye is your chance to do recognition or even have employees recognize other employees. That is not an expensive proposition. It's something you should be doing all the time to engage your workforce and make sure they understand how much you value them is people like to see their name in lights. They like to see, you know, themselves recognized by others in the company, even if it's for something small um, before that moment in time goes by. And being able to provide some low-cost rewards and recognition can be really meaningful. I've had employees say to me, you know, getting a thank you at a town hall meeting in front of 100 other people or receiving a certificate even via email or being called out on a conference call or in a Zoom meeting for something that I did, that meant more to me than, you know, the bonus that I got last year. You know, so again, I wouldn't be overthinking, you know, how much the monetary things mean. Simple things to make sure you recognize people every day are really important. So I think as we go forward, it's about course correcting how we get things done to get to the same outcome. We can still deliver strong business outcomes and stay on track with our talent management strategies, but deliver them in a different way, embracing technology, making sure when we uh, purchase software too, we're using it to the fullest. I can tell you as a leader in companies, that's something that happens quite often where people buy software and then they don't utilize it. And that was one of the things I was excited about when I actually purchased Bullseye as a leader is the fact that our team was utilizing it. It was so easy to use and intuitive. They were using it on a regular basis. It wasn't something that we spent tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on and then it got shelved and we got no benefit from it. So you wanna be purchasing things that you know your employees and leaders are going to embrace and will, again, really add value to the company even during tough economic times. Great. Well, I think we can finish off this discussion with some more on 
current events and how there are many emotionally charged discussions happening right now regarding equity in society and in the workplace. So how does equity tie into employee engagement and what can employers do now to be cultural leaders with respect to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Sure. I think this is a time where a lot of organizations are reflecting on their diversity and inclusion strategies. And I'll give you one example as I, my current employer is Arizona State University. And, you know, there's been so many incidences of social injustice we've seen of late in the media, which has caused a lot of concern and outright protest in the country. And uh, when this occurred, although Arizona State has a very comprehensive DNI strategy and has always been very connected to the community um, and has been able to successfully recruit diverse students and diverse faculty, you know, President Crow and the broader faculty and employees really felt like we needed to do more. And so a new initiative was rolled out with 25 different items on the action plan in terms of new things we were going to do to demonstrate how we were shifting our DNI strategy in these times. And it included things like, first of all, you know, President Crow committed to launching a historical assessment of discrimination and race on the campus. First of all, before a company spends a single dollar in this area or continues to spend money in this area, I think they need to kind of do a level and see where are they right now. You have to figure out where, what is your current state? And then how do you either build a plan or course correct your plan based on the reality of it? And you shouldn't do that in a silo or in a tunnel in terms of your own view of yourself. I think it's really important to actually talk to key stakeholders. So at a university campus, for example, what do the parents think of you and the students think of how you're performing in this area? How would your vendors rate you? You really want a complete 360 of your stakeholders in terms of how they view you. It may be very different than how you view yourself. It can show you some critical blind spots and will really help you come up with a better plan. So that was kind of the first step in the new 25-point initiative that President Crow rolled out, along with a number of other things. The next one that I think is incredibly important is he committed to rolling out training for all faculty and staff in terms of understanding systematic bias in the hiring and interviewing process. So again, we all come to the table with certain personal biases in terms of how we view other people and how we make decisions about whether they should come to our organization. Are they enough like us? They say in many cases we hire people very much like ourselves, which is why you want to always have a really good cross-functional team and people with different attributes so that you get best-in-class hires as they come into the company and can become more diverse. And so that's one thing that I think was really important is he's going to make sure that all of the faculty and staff have the right training to make good hiring decisions as we go forward. And then other funding will become available as well to make sure that we have better representation of diverse faculty and students. And so he's putting money behind 50 postdoctoral fellowships that will be tenure track positions where people of color only will be eligible for those where they can have those fellowships and then can go into tenure track roles to make sure we continue to increase our, our diversity ranks. And then doing the same among students, there'll be 30 new graduate assistantships just for people of color to make sure they have ample opportunity to get some more experience while they're in graduate school so they can have great job opportunities when they finish. So there were a number of other initiatives, but I think that's just an example of how companies should view what's our current strategy how do we now need to pivot based on the information we're getting from society or from our own stakeholders to make sure that we can have a very relevant 
diversity and inclusion strategy in today's environment that can be really successful. So that's, you know, I think one important piece of it. The other thing is inclusiveness, again, is taking a real leading role, is making sure that people feel a part of an organization. And I can give you uh, examples I've seen in, in different companies that I've either interfaced with or where I've worked. If you're trying to improve your diversity and say you hire the first African-American female into a particular group or a department, if there's no other like role models in your organization, that person is much less likely to stay in the organization. They're not going to feel like they're a part of the organization or there's other people there like them. So it's really important that part of your plan is over time and as quickly as you can, you get other great role models for that individual so you can keep great talent in your company. But that inclusiveness is increasingly important, that they feel a part of things and feel they can be successful. On the university front, another example, again, is we've really reevaluated our inclusiveness and accessibility as we've rolled out online tools for students. So if students have disabilities, do they really have access to all of the online technology or, or are there limitations if they have hearing disabilities, for example? You've got to think about every employee and how what kind of experience they're having in the workplace or in the educational environment to make sure they feel comfortable, they feel accepted, they feel welcome. And there's a lot more focus on those kinds of things now in terms of adding inclusiveness elements to your focus. And then the last piece I'd share from an equity standpoint is really evaluating to see, and you need to really look at your numbers again, use the data to say, are you compensating people fairly regardless of gender, race, function, and so on? Are you providing advancement opportunities in a consistent manner regardless of those attributes as well? And are you hiring in a consistent manner regardless of those attributes? Because again, employees watch those things and that provides a great deal of dissatisfaction if you're not executing them really, really well as you go through the process. But again, I think as we see some of these societal things happening, it's also important to know, even if you're doing all the right things as a company, sometimes you can see your employee engagement shift because of what's going on out in the community. And so having a strong corporate social responsibility stance, making sure you demonstrate you care about what's happening in the community and you're also working to have an impact can be really, really important. Gallup did a survey this summer, and it was very surprising to see this, but they determined that during the recent issues in Minnesota, where shootings were occurring and so on, that there was actually a decline in employee engagement in companies across the board, not just in Minnesota, but across the country, because that was going on. And so sometimes employees can feel so unsettled based on what's happening in society, it's actually impacting how they feel at work and so on. But that has come back up now again to more normal levels as things have calmed down a little bit. But companies need to be aware of that. It's the whole big picture in terms of how their employees are experiencing things at work, at home, and in their community. Just thinking out loud, Jennifer, and uh, out in organizations, obviously we have a very diverse team, but what is your experience or what kind of data is out there? Because I believe that there's a value in difference of opinion. You know, you have different uh, folks, different opinions, and that's where you brainstorm and you get ideas and you develop and it makes you better, actually. But in your opinion, the outcomes of a diverse team versus not so diverse team, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> You know, that's really an important consideration because, uh, again, I mentioned that it's very common for people to hire people like themselves because they feel more comfortable. They relate to them. They feel like they can have easy conversations, but that's not the most important test. 
as you know, Adil, if you have groupthink, you convene a people around your board table and you have a dozen people there and everyone just says, oh, Adil, yep, you're the smartest man in the room. You have all the best ideas. We have nothing to add. Well, you haven't grown very much as a company. You haven't really stepped outside the box in terms of thinking. But I know you don't operate that way. I know you're extremely good at listening and you really value the ideas others have. And I think that's why you have such a strong company, including how you think about your customer comments. Think very seriously about those and it helps you create a much better product in a very fluid way. So I think it's incredibly important that companies strive to get that diverse thinking and that level of thinking to really innovate. Again, we have to be moving very quickly in today's world to innovate and really differentiate ourselves. And we do that by bringing people to the table that have ideas that conflict with our own, have different approaches. The other piece is this is a world that is becoming increasingly diverse. So in the U.S., we know that the minority population continues to increase as a percentage of the overall population. And if we don't think about how we create our own organizations in terms of what our employee population looks like, and it's reflective of our customer base, it's reflective of the societal base, we will not be relatable at all to our customers and we will not continue to grow and thrive. So we need to make sure that we you know, are relevant to our customers and we have the right kinds of ideas that resonate with them and through having effective diversity strategies and authentic strategies, not ones that just sort of pay lip service to it, but authentic strategies that we really believe in and we understand add value to the company and to our customers and employees. There's nothing more powerful in terms of delivering on our value proposition. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, I come to the space from a very frustrated user perspective, you know, an IE and uh, most of the advisory board meetings, I think you have attended a couple. And it's true, it's a true statement, and I've made it many times and would like to make it one more time that when I sit in with our advisors and uh, your experiences and your broad qualifications, I'm the least competent person in that room, but that's how I have learned and I continue to be. I mean, I come out of every advisory board meeting humbled and down to it and say, I have so much more to learn. And the same is true of our team members here. So thank you for that answer and go to Raquel with all her HR background. Raquel, do you have a follow-up comment or question for Jennifer? I mean, I think it's good. And, it, you know, I've worked at many large enterprise organizations in my past life. and you know, what I've seen is a lot of companies will just, from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, they may just check the box, right? But I think to your point and what you said, developing and having a real strategy around that, something that's going to be meaningful, I think that that will go a long way, especially now and as we look to the future. Yeah, I think that's very true. And again, it's where the rubber meets the road. People don't want to just say, oh, my company has a diversity strategy, but they want to see it come to life every day in terms of communication that happens in terms of which people they see at the company that are being promoted and who they can relate to and who they get a chance to work with. They believe that's really true. And the one last piece I'll leave you with too, and Adil, I know you were talking about data-driven and, and the whole diversity piece, and this is a shout out to women, but there's been much research done on the area of companies and their financial performance. And companies that have women on their boards consistently perform better than companies with 100% male boards. It's one more example of showing if you have diversity at all levels in the company, all the way up to the board, you will be a stronger, better, thriving organization because of it. 
That is great. We're up to three. We've got Jennifer, we've got Sony, and we've got Irene. So I'm so very proud of our board here. So true. So true. Kelly? Well, those are all of the questions that I have, if no one else has anything else to add. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure our audience will gain lots of valuable insights from this, and thank you for our discussion. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and everyone stay safe. You too. Thank you so much. Stay safe and well. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.